turn to the book of Luke. Today, I'm starting a brand new series that I hope will lead us to Easter Sunday. And we are six weeks away from Easter Sunday. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. It's March. It is March. How about that? Spring is only four or five months away. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Northeast Ohio, you get it. Um, and I, I decided that I would have us have a series of messages that would lead us uh, to the most important day on the Christian calendar, and that is Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But uh, there were some events that took place, and not just the cross, but there were some events that took place with Jesus and a number of people that I think we could learn from. Uh, I actually want us to take ourselves to some different locations in the Bible where Jesus did some significant things on that last week before he went to the cross and then eventually rose from the dead. We often call uh, that last week of Jesus' life Passion Week. So I've entitled this sermon series Passion Places. I'd like to take you to several locations that we can unpack together and learn some things. And you may have noticed uh, the communion packet that's on your seat we're going to be having communion at the end of the service today. If you're sitting on it, you may want to find another one because something bad may have happened. Uh, but today we're going to look at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I've entitled this message in the series, The Guest Room. The first location, the first passion place that I would like to direct our thoughts today as we now gear up for the Easter season is a guest room, uh, a room that held some pretty incredible significance is that it was in this room that Jesus held his last supper, where he instituted, if you will, why we have communion. Uh, we do so on the first Sunday of every month, like the book of Hezekiah says we should. I'm kidding. There is no book of Hezekiah. Okay. Some of you are like turning like near Daniel. It's like, where's Hezekiah? Um, but, but we choose to uh, have communion once a month on the first Sunday of the month. And so I felt that today, being the first Sunday in March, it'd be a great opportunity for us to take a look at the room that Jesus had this very important event take place. And so I'm going to invite you today, if you're able to, to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word as we look at this together. We're in Luke chapter 22, and we're going to begin in verse 7 today. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen. All my scriptures will be on the screen for you today. So let's take a look at this together. You ready? If you're there, say amen. 
If you're not there, say amen. Okay. Thank you for your honesty. Here we go. Verse 7 says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room? The guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread, and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. I'd like to take you today to that guest room. So let's pray. Lord, speak to us through your word. Your, your, your word is so powerful. It truly is. I ask you now, Lord God, that you would take it and bless the presentation of it, bless the reception of it, and Lord God, may we have a personal encounter with you as we bring ourselves to a personal guest room to enjoy communion with you. Speak to us through your word, I pray, and may all the glory be for you. And it's in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. 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 You may be seated. The guest room. So this is one of the scriptures. There are actually several stories in the Gospels. Uh, all four Gospels contain some version of the Last Supper. And there's even reference to it in the book of 1 Corinthians as well. So we get a lot of biblical references to this moment. And here, Dr. Luke, as he is writing his gospel on, uh, on Jesus' life, he comes to this story and he mentions that Jesus has told two of his uh, lead disciples to go and prepare the Passover meal. For them, And that's exactly what they were observing was a Passover meal, a Jewish custom, if you will, that they would often uh, actually annually celebrate together. So this was a big deal. Maybe in our American culture, it would be uh, like uh, having a Thanksgiving meal or having a, a real big meal together. <laughs> or as you Italians say, that's every day. Uh, <laughs> Boy, can you Italians cook. Uh, and, and, and so the guest room here played a pretty significant role 
in Jesus' last week on earth. As we unpack this, uh, I, I, there's a number of things that really stand out to me and I think will stand out to you as we take a look at this. It'd be my prayer that as you take communion at the end of this service, that the Lord would just ingrain at least one of these points, one of these truths to you as we spend time in communion with him. Let me show you what I mean. Let's go to the beginning of this story that we read. First of all, I want us to unpack Jesus' directions that he gave. And I don't want you to like skip this part and just go right to the Lord's Supper because this part, verses 7 to 12, I think are kind of astounding to me. At least the way I think of things. Take a look at this again. And I want you to put yourself in the place of the disciples whom Jesus is giving these directions to. Verse 7, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Sounds good so far, right? Right? We'll just go to Bob Evans. We'll have this meal. Everything's good. We'll have it catered, Jesus. Okay, great. Verse 9, where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. Now look at this. Okay. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. Stalk this guy. At the house that he enters, say to the owner... The teacher asked, where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? And he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That's where you should prepare our meal. Now, let's, let's, let's just time out. For me, I read this, okay? If I were to tell one of you, hey, we're going to have a church fellowship after service. Oh, okay, pastor. How are we going to do this? Well, here's what I want you to do. As soon as you enter Cuyahoga Falls, there's going to be a guy carrying a jug of milk. Stalk him. Follow him. Do not let him out of your sight until, until he gets to the house that he's staying at. Okay? And if that's not weird enough, go to the door, knock on it, and say, hey, Whoever lives here, the guy that owns this place, we want his guest room. Simple, huh? To me, that's like, okay. You, you know, we saw you feed 5,000 people, Jesus. You couldn't just like, poof, there it is. You want us to do this for Maybe you're not like me, and thank the Lord that you're not if that is the case. But, but I would be a little uneasy about this. I, I, I hear this instruction, and I'm like, really? <laughs> well, yeah. It's 
It's one thing when I hear other people talk. It's another, it's another thing when I hear myself talk in the back. So for my next trick. All right. Let's reel this sermon back. So here I am. Here I am getting this strange command from Jesus. And I'm a little uncomfortable with it. And then I think, wow. You know, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I try my best to follow him. And it has dawned on me that there are moments that the Bible gives me commands, that Jesus gives me commands that I can get a little uneasy with. That I could say, oh, really? Let me give you some examples. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Okay, let's just stop there. Okay, some of you, you are programmed to worry. You wake up, you're worried. And if you're not worrying, you're worried. (laughs) And Jesus says, here's my command for you, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And you read that and you think, wow, <laughs> that's hard for me. Because I got bills to pay and people to deal with and deadlines. And, and, and how many understand what I'm saying? So you read a command like that and it sounds like, mm. how about James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3? Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Yes! Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So if you're getting beat up by that, that old devil, you just cheer. Woohoo! I am getting blown out of the water by the trials I'm facing right now. Hard. Difficult. How about Romans chapter 12? Starting verse 19, don't take revenge, my dear friends. But, <laughs> but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Not poison, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, You'll heap burning coals on his head. Simple, huh? Don't overcome, uh, don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. But then there's some of us, we read that. It's like, huh? I mean, the moment somebody does something bad to me, I have my plan ready. I'm going to blast him. I'm not only going to get him, I'm going to get him good. In the name of Jesus. How about Mark chapter 11, when Jesus is teaching on prayer? He says, when you stand praying, and if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Hey, that's easy. See, some of us have read these verses so much, we're like, oh yeah, that's what I said. But then when it's time to apply that to our lives, it's like, ugh. In fact, Jesus goes as far as to say, 
Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And you read that, and you see, what, what am I saying? There, there are some commands. Forget about these special revelations from God that some of us claim that we get. And yes, God does give us those. But to be quite honest with you, if we're not going to obey what God's word has to say, I have a hard time believing that you're getting a bunch of revelation from Jesus. But that's just another sermon altogether. And when, when, the, when God's word, when Jesus' words, when Jesus' commands get uneasy for us to follow. Okay, thou, sh thou shalt not kill. I'm good. Most days, I'm good. And if you struggle with that, please see Joy Hebb after the service. She will, she will scare you straight. That's very good. But see, there's moments, so we got the easy ones, right? We got the easy ones. We're, you know, we're not worshiping an, an, an idol. We're, you know, we're not, we're, we're not sleeping around. And, 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 and by the way, if you do struggle with those things, Jesus will forgive you, by the way. Can I just say that? Can I just say that? He will. But then there's these others that we, 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 we kind of let them slide because they don't seem to be as serious. You know, forgiving somebody, well, you know, whatever. And it's all the whatevers. And Jesus is giving these instructions, he's giving these directions for them to do something that, in all honesty, most of us in here, if not all of us in here, we'd be a little bit out of our comfort zone. Go to the next town, stalk a guy, find out where he lives, talk to the owner, ask for his room. And for many of us, some of the verses that we just read, and there are tons of them, where, where we are we're given commands, directions from Jesus, and, and therefore are good. And it's so hard for us to obey them. When, when you read the Word and you come across some verses like this, or when you hear a sermon and it kind of, uh, that kind of read my mail, and, and it's like, I don't know how I could respond to that. How, how, how do you respond? What if, what, if, <laughs> what if the disciples would have said, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that, Jesus. In fact, Jesus, you know what? I, I, I need to pray about this. In fact, Jesus, what does the Greek say about what you just asked me to do? What would Joel Osteen do? What, what, what should I, what, you know, and we'll just throw out, we love Joel and his hair. They're both wonderful. But, but we, we throw out all these, and, and I think Jesus is saying, here's my commands. Here they are. And if you're having a hard time with those, then maybe the guest room is reserved for you in order to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to obey you completely. Not partially. It's been said that 99% obedience to God is actually 100% disobedience. Is there a command that maybe you're struggling with personally. And I'm just going to say, don't pretend that you're the exception. 
because you're not. I think one of the biggest lies of the enemy is to convince the children of God that they are the exception to the commands of the Word of God. You're not. I'm not. I, I'm not discounting your experience. I'm not even discounting your pain. I'm not discounting this. I'm not discounting. I'm just telling you, 100% obedience. Jesus will deal with the results of your obedience to him. Amen? Secondly, how many are glad I'm getting off that? Secondly, we looked at Jesus' disciples. And uh, I think I had the wrong word there, and that really ticks me off. Okay. No, it's not. That's good. We're good. We're good. You could tell I had to change words a lot to make this thing fit. I do things for you people to make it fun for you. <laughs> Jesus' direction. Secondly, Jesus' disciples. Here we go. Tammy's back there panicking. You're good. You're good, hon. You're good. Okay, so Jesus sends his disciples to say, okay, just obey this command. Obey this command. Just do what I say. I got it covered. I've got it covered. Then look what happens in verse 13. Verse 13 says they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. Oh, don't lose this. Before we get to communion, before we talk about the bread and the cup, before we talk about that last supper, may I remind you, that everything that Jesus said to the disciples was true. And may I remind a bunch of followers of Jesus Christ in here and a bunch of people watching us online that every word in, found in God's word, every promise found in God's word, it's true. It is true. You don't have to be afraid of it not being true for you and true for somebody else. Every promise from God's word, every instruction, everything that God has to say, every promise that Jesus has for you, it applies to you. The disciples found that, and possibly today, could it be that as you are alone with God, enjoying communion with him, just sitting in his presence, could it be that you need to be reminded of some of the promises found in God's word. And you need to say, you know what? That's for me. Let me give you a few of those. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That, that's a promise. You, you, can, you, can, you can grab that promise spiritually. You can say, Lord God, that's for me. I am stressed about the bills. I am stressed about finances. But your word says that you'll meet all my needs. Now, I don't know how you're going to do it. And may I liberate you from figuring God out? Because you never will. You don't need to know how he does it. You just trust that he'll do it. See, because sometimes, you know what our prayer is? God, here's my need. And while you're here, I have a bulleted list for you. First of all, huge check. Secondly, Swiss bank account. Third, and Jesus may not do that at all. 
he may actually give you a better job or a job. Well, Jesus, I want financial blessings. I just don't want to work for it. Uh, <laughs> Jesus may supply your need, but you don't know how he's going to do it. Here's another promise that I think would bless you. Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What are we assured of there? Not riches, not wealth, but we are assured of that when we approach the Lord, we have his attention. And he will answer our prayers. He'll answer our prayers. Quickly, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Here's another promise. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know what? Your situation, your life right now might be rough, it might be bad, but God is still good. God is still good, and God has a plan. You need to know this. God has a plan. God doesn't just stand there and say, oh, oh, oh I got nothing. Gabriel, what you got? He, he, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. And you can be assured that every promise that you find in God's word is for you. Is there a promise from God's word? I just gave you a three. Is there a promise from God's word that you need to hold on to? That you need to be reminded of today as you sit in his presence and enjoy communion together? Thirdly, let's look at Jesus' desire. We found Jesus' direction and then we put ourselves in the place of Jesus' disciples. But I want to show you Jesus' desire. We still haven't even touched the bread in the cup yet. But verses 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says something that I think is important. Look what verse 14 says. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager, look at this, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Tammy, can we back up, back to verse 15? Look again at what Jesus says. I have been very eager to eat this meal with you guys. What, what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, you have no idea how much I love being with you. You see, Jesus wasn't just doing this to fulfill some obligation. He wasn't doing this just to fulfill some duty. But understand that there was a part of Jesus' heart here that we see that extends to each and every one of us here today. For you see, the truth is, just as Jesus was eager to spend time with his disciples, including one who would make some pretty bad decisions, actually, they all would abandon him eventually, but Jesus also eagerly desires to be with each of us every day. 
Do you actually think you're bothering Jesus when you pray to him? Do you actually think that you're taking up his time? He can't wait to spend time with you. He wants that. The moment you pray, you have his ear. The the moment that you worship him, just you and him, he hears that. He loves that. He loves being with you. You know, there's certain people in my life, outside of my family, I love being with my family, but there's certain people in my life that I just love being around them. I really do. It, bring, it brings a smile to my face. Don't want to embarrass anybody, but when I see Rich Pilata walk in, I'm like, oh, okay. You know what? I could have the worst day imaginable. Okay? I could be bleeding out of my eyes and have dysentery. But here, here comes Rich. And it's like, all right. All right. He's, he's one of those people that's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That lifts my spirits. And, and you know what? Jesus sees that in each and every one of you. He sees that moment that you pray. He sees that moment that you look at his word. He sees that moment that you worship him just privately. Maybe just singing to him in the car. He, he, he sees that moment that you call out to him. And he loves it. He, it it's not like he's on, on like the hotline, support line, and it's like, please hold. Hold and, and, and put you on hold, and he doesn't want to hear you. He right away. And I want you to get this picture of Jesus. So that every time you approach him, every step you take towards him, he loves it. You have no idea how eagerly I want to eat this meal with you guys. He he looks at you and says, you, you, have no, you have no idea how eagerly I want to spend some time with you today. And then when you wake up tomorrow, he can't wait. And the next day, he, he can't wait. Throughout the day, he relishes those moments. That might totally change your view of God. Because maybe you've kind of seen him as the Great and powerful Oz, you know, who dares come to me? And, and that's not him. It's not him. He loves when you approach him, warts and all, mistakes, unfaithful. Uh, he, he loves it. He wants to see you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to touch you. And maybe today, maybe today, your whole picture of Jesus just needs to change a little bit. From this cosmic thing that's up there that we read about from thousands of years ago to, to, this, to this one that relishes every moment that he has with me and me with him. And then finally, let's look at Jesus' dinner that day. The meal that he had. 
And that's going to bring us to communion. And I'll tell you now that communion is going to be a little different today because I'm going to have you take it on your own at the right time. I'm not going to quote verses and say, let's take it together. I, I, I'm going to give you a chance to have this one-on-one -on -one with the Lord today. But take a look starting in verse 17 because there's some significant things that are done here. He took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this, share it amongst yourselves for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a, as a friend, is the man who will betray me. What's Jesus doing here? Jesus is now leading us to the cross. And he is uncovering the fact that he is about to be sacrificed. And the disciples probably still aren't getting it. And we see from their actions later that they, they, they didn't know what to think. But Jesus says, look, this is my blood, this cup, and it's poured out for you. And this is my body, the bread. It's broken for you. And then he took another cup and he said, this is the new covenant between me and you between me and my people. As often as you drink this, you do it in remembrance of me. You know what Jesus is saying? It's a game changer, guys. No longer do you have to go through a priest. You can just come to me. You don't, you don't have to shop around for a perfect lamb for a sacrifice. I'm the perfect lamb. And I'm the high priest at the same time. So when you eat this bread, you're reminded of my sacrifice to you. When you drink this cup, you're reminded of not only my blood that's poured out for you, but you're, you're also reminded that things are different now. I'm the go-between. You come to me. You need your first sins forgiven? You go to me. You need a miracle, you go to me. And, and he actually ends with this verse saying, there's somebody here who's going to betray me. Can I tell you that communion is a time that the Lord desires to speak to each and every one of us? And, and maybe, maybe there's something in your life that God wants to bring to the surface. Maybe there's something in your life that doesn't belong. And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, Come on, I want to be with you, but, but there's something that's holding things up here. There, there's, there's some things that you have allowed in your life that totally go against me, that totally go against the word. And, and as much as you want to justify it, as much as you want to accept it, you know it doesn't belong. Now's the time to get rid of it. 
Deal with sin before it deals with you. What would the Lord say to you today? How's your relationship with Jesus today? Are you right with God? Let me give you a harsh truth. There was a man in Akron who was murdered a week ago who came to our giveaway and brought his kid to trunk or treat. We live in a life where there are no guarantees. How's your relationship with God? I pray to God that when he heard the message, he accepted Christ. How's your relationship with Jesus right now? Are, are there some things in your life that don't belong? Maybe you need to go to the Lord and say, what is the Lord wanting to tell me today? What's he, what's he need to remind me of today? What's he saying to me? You know, I think some of our prayer lives are so one-sided because all it is is asking God for stuff and we never put ourselves in a place to hear from God. Maybe God wants to speak to your heart and to your spirit today in the guest room. What promise from God's word might you need to hold on to today? God will meet all your needs. Everything will work out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to that and, and, and they are safe. What, what, what do you need to hold on to? God is a present help in times of trouble. What do you need to hold on to? Is there a pre I am the God that healeth thee. I will fight for you, the word says. You only need to stand still. What promise do you need from the word of God today? Maybe, maybe you need to say, Lord, I need to hold on to that. Or maybe today, you just need to sit in God's presence and worship him. Not worried about where you're going to lunch. Not worried about tomorrow. Not worried about the agenda of, of the week. You just want to sit in God's presence and worship and pray or just linger. Maybe that's what you need today. This morning, I invite you to the guest room. This morning, I invite you to ask yourself those questions. Lord, what promise do I need? What are you saying to me? God, my relationship with you, is it where it should be? Or maybe you just need to linger in his presence. So here's what I'm going to do. On your chair, when you came in, there's a cup and a wafer on the top of it. I want to encourage you, after I pray, at your own pace, eat the bread, drink the cup, but don't stop there. Ask God some of these questions. Ask the Lord what he wants to do with you. I invite you to a spiritual guest room where you can be one-on-one -on -one with Jesus Christ. 
Are the commands of God a little difficult for you to follow? Talk to him about it. Do you need to be reminded that everything in God's word is for you? Talk to him about it. Do you need to evaluate your own relationship with Jesus Christ? Talk to him about it. Do you just need to spend some time in the presence of God? Do so. And when you're finished, you can consider yourself dismissed. But don't be in a hurry. Let's go to the guest room and see what the Lord might have for us. So Jesus...